Welcome to episode 49 of Narcissistic Music Disorder. What's up, Scotty? How you doing, buddy? Oh, great to be here. We got a guest today. Today is a special day for us, indeed, because we are... Um, we have we took first of all we we took a field trip which is exciting for us. Uh, we all got our permission sh- slips signed and uh, we are here uh, at Michael Kreppel's house. Thank you for having us, buddy. Fellas, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming and thanks for having me on the show. Oh, We've gotten a tour of the property, a tour of the new studio space, um, tour of the house. It's just beautiful out here, man. It's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Um, welcome back to Michigan. Thank you We're so glad much. Glad to have you. It's been have a you back. wonderful, a wonderful time to be I back knew, here. You know, I knew the state felt cooler for some reason, and it wasn't <laughs> just because fall was coming. So we. Uh, we need to know a little bit about your background, how you came to be. And, and Scott, um, well, you guys go back a ways, right? Yes. You yep. guys. Um, so how did you, I, I, I didn't ask this, but how did you guys meet? We how have a you, mutual friend, Greg Lee Saraga. Okay. Yep. So that was the connection for you too. Yes. Yep. Um, and I mean, Scott has spoken of you since we met. I mean, I, I swear to God that first time Scott and I talked, I'm sure your name came up. Um, Probably for the last 10 years. Sure. Just. But via phone calls and Facebook, yeah. Michael, and, and a few visits here and there that when he's come to Michigan. But yeah, for, we've been weekly, yeah, yeah. pretty much texting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And uh, when we when this episode for headphone jams came up, Which I thought is exciting. Who better than Michael Kreppel, who's been mentioned multiple times on the on show? On the show, and, yeah. And and so John, let me interject should, here. Scott Benting was. Probably the first or the second person that knew that I was moving back to Michigan. Really? Yeah. It was Scott Benting. I was like, I got to talk to my boy Scott. Well, I got to let, let him know what's going state? on. Did you need clearance of some sort yeah, from him? Was, Is he was, like a kingpin around yeah, here? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. I got he's you. got the connection. You got to clear it. And I, I had to make sure that he's made the space available for us. I understand. Us I understand. It was because a our footprint. That was tough to keep. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. Um, so. Tell us what your what your background is, Michael. How did you come to to do what you do? First of all, tell us what it is you do and how you came to do that. Um, I am a mix engineer by trade. Um, I got started early in the early nineties. A woman, or yeah, a woman that I was dating at the time, she. Her father is an Academy Award winning mixer, and he said to me. How are you going to take care of? Yeah, my, this? my daughter. Right. Yeah, right. It's actually, my granddaughter. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. His granddaughter, my daughter, yeah. Madison. Gotcha. Um, I got you a job interview at a studio in Burbank. That's way better. First of Go. all, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, you know, usually it's, hey, man, I, I got you a job at the feed mill. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're going to be, right? At you're the factory. Exactly. Yeah. You're working in a steel foundry yes. now. You'll be pouring iron for the rest of your life. <laughs> right, right. But you get, hey, yeah. man, I got you this job at yeah. the recording studio. Um, his name is Don McDougal, and he actually, this is um, a wonderful piece of storytelling is he mixed and won an Academy Award for mixing Star Wars, the first one. Oh, yes. in 1976. Wow, wow. So when a recommendation letter, a reference letter with Don's signature on it for me, it was like I was walking in. I got the when I walked in there, I got the oh, so you're the kid that's right coming from Don McDougal. And and I was like, Yeah, <laughs> you wow. know, I think so. I had no idea when what pros post-production looked like i knew exactly what music studios look like sure and it's very similar but you kind of remove the mic locker 
if you will, yeah, for post-production. Right. Um, you still have the studios. You still, um, and, you, you know, you mo- remove the picture, uh, the or, I'm sorry, you remove the mic locker and you add a, a picture screen. And now you're looking at people talking and things are blowing up and, and not, which Les Paul am I going to play? <laughs> right, right. But are you um in something like that, if you're mixed, I've often wondered this. So on the set of a film, right, you have, I assume, someone capturing sound. Yes. And then often there's you, that sound is re-recorded in a studio setting, like that that dialogue and things. It is one of your jobs to match those things up, match that, you know, that vocal track up to what's being said? Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of... I take some pride in earlier in the in the world of making movies it was very difficult to make it match sure and now with technology we get it done faster we can make it match better Mm -hmm. Um, we can get a lot more done in the time that it that it used to take to do just very little we can get so much done and the term is called looping and what they do is say John Merchant is out in front of the camera, Scott Benting is behind the camera. There's a boom op who's capturing the sound of the scene. Yeah. Well, if you're in the middle of the desert and you hear a jet fly over, or it appears you're in the middle of the desert and a quarter mile behind you is the 405 freeway. Oh, right. <laughs> right. You gotta you gotta get rid of that traffic noise or that airplane. So we say Okay, there's a technical issue with this dialogue. What do you think, Scott? Do you want to try and replace it, or are you okay with it? No, hell no. I need to replace it. Right. John's manager. So this is kind of like the part of all of what comes with making movies. So John's manager. Uh, Hey, we need John to come into the studio to do ADR. ADR, yep. Automatic dialogue replacement. Okay. Um, well, John's not available for two weeks. Very busy. Very busy guy. Okay. Well, how Adult about industry. how about <laughs> how about this this amount of, or this date? Okay, great. So John comes in in the old days, and they had a piece of magnetic audio track in a loop. <laughs> looping. Call yeah. it why it's called looping. So you would hear, "I don't care, I don't care, I don't care," in a loop. And so John would just start recording on a tape machine. I don't care. I don't care as many times as you wanted until Scott felt like he got the got performance the you want. Wanted. Okay. Oh, geez. Then you take that and you cut it into the soundtrack of the movie. Literally, Literally. then cut yeah. it in. You right. would cut it. Um, so now what we do is we get in the studio, we've got Pro Tools, and we can expand things and you know speed them up, shorten them. Right. Um, the biggest thing that I, in my experience now, um, three decades worth, right, is mouth shapes. And this is kind of getting into, like, how people might say Oregon or Oregon. Like, that on shape is the mouth shape that's going to make it look right, or it's going to go, oh, that was not what he said there. Yeah, right. So it's a whole science behind that. And then what you got to do is you got to get on the good side of the actor and you know, buddy up to them so that they'll do it again when they feel like they've already got it. You know, it's, well, I already did that. Right. Well, okay, well, here's why it's not working. Oh, I see. You know, and then it's like they want to work and make it better so that they look better. So that's kind of like wow. a, a little a little trade secret of, 
uh, one part of what we do. So yeah, EQing it to make that um, re-recorded dialogue work in a movie. Um, Everyone likes Enter the Dragon. You are. Right, 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 right. right. (laughs) How'd you get your start there at the studio? Um, I started at the bottom as a runner. Yep. And uh, um, as it as it progressed, um, I was very into it and I stayed after every day and learned and watched people. We had the scoring stage, um, and they were scoring the Simpsons and, um, a show back then called wings. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I love that show. Um, trying to think if, uh, I can't remember not important. Um, but anyway, I got to know some great people and, um, an opportunity came where, someone couldn't make it to the session. And I told the studio owner, I'm like, I know how to do that, which was a big fat lie. <laughs> I had never sat in that chair once, you know, with anybody in the studio, but he's, you know, he said, you do. Okay, great. And gave me a shot. And that's, I went from being a runner three weeks later, I was a recording engineer. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so it's very, very fun. And, um, uh, got to know some incredible people there. Um, the, um, uh, the stage engineer Carrie Butler, um, world famous engineer producer, and uh, somebody that you guys will know and appreciate too. As uh, I got to work with this person, due to the fact that um, in the mid '90s grunge had come in and stomped all over the the yeah. Sunset Strip rock scene, right? right. Um, but I got to work with Mick Sweeta from King Cobra. And the bullet boys. And the bullet boys. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, right then, you've got merchants full attention yeah. right now. Yeah. And actually, one time, uh, this is a um, this is a fun story. I would, um, after I started recording, um, that studio, Ground Control in Burbank, had a music stage and the first THX certified uh, dubbing stage. Oh wow! In the in the area, right? Wow. Designed by THX, the whole thing, they got, you know, the flying around robot and all of that right, stuff, right, right. right? So I would load up all my gear into my minivan on Friday after work, and I would drums, guitar, bass. Now, I had a million-dollar mic locker at my disposal. Yeah. And as long as there wasn't sessions, there weren't sessions on the weekends, I could go in and record my stuff. In wow. the studio. So I would load up all of my drums and my guitars and my bass and all of that in my minivan in Simi Valley and drive to Burbank and literally camp at the at the studio all and, weekend. And record. The Saturday afternoon, Mick comes in to get a paycheck because we got paid on Fridays, right? He comes in to pick up his paycheck and he pokes his head into Studio A and I'm in there and I'm trying to play this guitar line with my gold top. And he goes, hey, man, that's a nice guitar. Can I play it? I'm like, heck yeah, dude. Yeah, Take, exactly. take it. So <laughs> Mick Sweeta picks it up, and he just starts doing Mick Sweeta. Great Sweeta's, player. Yeah. Great player. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm just trying to get this, this line down on this song. And he goes, well, let me hear it. I'm like, not even right. kidding. I don't say anything like, oh, do you want to play on it? Right, because who would? Who exactly. would say that? I have him on input, so he's just jamming to the track, but I hit record. Of course you do. And I have McSweeta on that lead track that 
recording the first hand of Giants album, I used that same tape. So I did a big tape dump. Oh, nice. Into Pro Tools. So I still have that. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. It's so that's fantastic. So cool. I bet it is. Yeah. Well, it's really great. And he uses my wah pedal too. I mean, it was just like. He's a cool player who doesn't Amazing. get enough people don't name. I got to take a side. I'm, I'm a side. I'm on a side street. Already. We never do that. But I know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying what people don't know about the Bullet Boys is how much that first Bullet Boys record with Ted Templeman yep. at yep. the helm. He was did all three of them. A too. killer yep. Van Halen model. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I like those records that. Um, that don't have rhythm tracks. That's just bass, yeah. you know, like that first Van Halen record yeah. has very little overdub type stuff like that. And the Bullet Boys were yep. like that too. And Mick plays so good in that three piece lineup. Yeah. You know, I mean, absolutely four with the vocalist. So, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, by sorry, the way. that's if, awesome. Yeah. That's just awesome. But we're here today to talk about headphone jams, are yes. we not? Yeah. Now the headphone jam to me. I, I was thinking about this. Um, the headphone jam. The typical. When you say stuff like that, people think instantly like Dark Side of the Moon or stuff like yeah. that. Sure. For me personally, the headphone jam is a mix of two worlds, and you'll appreciate this, Michael. It's either where things are placed in the stereo field. That's right. Right? Yeah. That's a big thing for mm -hmm. me. Or just pure what the pure original signal was and what I can hear. Like those records where you can, you know, um, even my wife will mention sometimes like, the sound of fingers on an yeah. acoustic. Yeah. That can be very cool and very annoying, yeah. too, right? I mean, how many of us have been like, oh, dude, I just yeah. want to play that part without it going, quick, quick, everywhere. Yeah. But though, for me, those are my my elements of the headphone jam. What about you, Scott? What's your, like, what do you look for in your headphone jam? It's hearing the things that you can't hear when it's just playing yeah. through the stereo. You, like I was saying to Michael this morning before we started recording. I didn't know you guys met uh, before me. It's too... <laughs> It's two different albums when you put the headphones on and when you just listen to it. Yeah, that's you true. Know, in the car. Yeah, yeah. my, my uh, somebody that I um, I'm very close with. His name is Doug Van Queckelberg. Um, he builds guitars, tone bender. Um, he calls it headphone candy. Yes. And when you put yeah. it on and you actually find those little things that yep. you're talking about, Scott, like, yeah. oh, crap, man. You hear, like, the echo delay that trails off in the right speaker. Right. And it falls into the background. You're like... Oh snap! That is dope. Yeah, right. It creates you know yeah some sort of element of space. Yeah, the headphone experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've got some lists yeah. started. Scott's um, got the biggest Scott's, list. He's got you know, five. Scott's got like pages you know, of a, paper a over there. Three ring binder full. <laughs> um, I wrote mine on my arm on the way here. <laughs> tattoo. It's a tattoo. But uh, so let's kick this thing off. We kind of have everybody has their headphone jams. They have nowadays too. It's funny. I don't know that much about super modern music, but I would think now more more than ever before, people listen to their music in a pure stereo field because they have noise canceling earbuds and stuff, right? Yeah. Back in the day, you know. It was a big goal to get the, the good headphones that had a tone control and yeah, a volume, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I had the big brown ones. They were beautiful. Um, <laughs> but now you would think there would be more art recording artists you know, trying to exploit that because more people are listening to music on headphones, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so hey, without further ado, what's your first headphone jam, Scott? Frank Sinatra and Count Basie. It might as well be Swing from 1960. And Four, what, six, Scott, what, what is it about that? It's the second one they did together. Mm -hmm. The first one is really cool, too. It was charted by Quincy Jones. Um, but the this one, I don't know. It's uh, something about just 
Basie's arrangements right. and um I don't know it sounds it's it sounds different than I mean, those records you know they they didn't have I don't know what they had to work with sure. what a studio looked like in 1966 um it was a big open space they did have um U67s and U87s U47 tube mics and things like that so they're capturing with amazing equipment but they're probably printing there's, while they're tracking right yeah there's so many jazz records that are live that yeah. don't it doesn't advertise it as live but well they mostly probably are hear, predominantly like, live yeah. a lot then. of them like yeah. uh there's uh bill evans live at the village vanguard that one you can hear like silverware and yes, glasses and people laughing yeah but a lot of the older jazz records too you can hear the studio chatter between the guys mm-hmm. when they're the players are right. talking to each other right, or right. cueing See, each that's other. That's a cool thing yeah. about the that headphone you can, jam. That you catch that you can't catch. Yeah, just listening to it through your you right. know, car or and then, sitting in your living room. And then for the people, and I'm included in this. What does it mean when Quincy Jones charted it? I mean, it's... he back then they would actually write out. He would have. Tabs I, I would on... assume he would have written out all the charts for all the players. Exactly. And, and, and there's stories about Quincy Jones. There's a story about Quincy Jones charting from in a cab from one studio to another sure. studio and like leaving papers. In sure. A, yeah. He'd write it out by hand. I yeah. Mean, yeah. That's what they did. I yeah. Mean, but yeah, there there wasn't. But it's just something about to, software yeah. or something, yeah, exactly. right? For me, it's something about two legends that I loved in Basie and Sinatra being together. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, there's so many good. Uh, there's another great one with um, with Ella and Basie that's mm-hmm. just unbelievable too. That's awesome. Sixty so. six. Would that have been a mono recording? Don't know. I don't know the actually that, that record was sixty four. I'm guessing that I'm that's in about. mono. I bet you we could figure out with the. All hell, Google. Yeah, I'm guessing that would have been a mono. So what you're really hearing in that, and and I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but my guess is if that's in mono, um, really what you're hearing is is you know it's not so much what Michael had mentioned. You know the the headphone candy. What you're hearing is just the vibe of that room is what's so appealing. You can hear two people working in that room. Um. Yeah, that's killer. Of course, you would start with something like that. So I have to look. <laughs> so I have to look like a complete idiot when I say my first one, which is "Blizzard of Oz" by Ozzy Osbourne. Nice, nice. And here's why. Go ahead. Did you find anything for us, Michael? It definitely would be stereo. It's stereo. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I picked "Blizzard of Oz" because at that time, and I think, and I again, we could Google, but what's the point? I think. Um, I want to say maybe Max Norman was involved in, in Blizzard of Oz. Um, but the thing about Blizzard is it was they had just gotten this new outboard um, echo unit yeah. that they Ozzy loved. And, and I don't even when Ozzy started as a solo artist, the way they tracked his voice, his the effect of his voice, which was always I, I to this day, I don't know what it was. It could have been a chorus thing. It could have been double tracked. Um, but they had this echo unit and they were doing the classic is, is crazy train. Right. If you listen right. to crazy train and headphones, you get the, I, 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 yeah. I yeah. speaker to speaker, yep. the road of, uh, I'm sorry, the vibra slap is speaker to speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the other cool thing about blizzard of Oz is, uh, the guitar player, Randy Rhodes would triple track his solos. 
So what that means to the you know to those aren't who aren't in the game like I am, <laughs> um, that's silly. Um, no, but what it really means is what Randy Rhodes would do is he would re- those famous guitar solos, the Crazy Train one, I don't know, all those solos. He would play it, and then he would play it again, note for note, match yep. it up, and then he would play it again. He would play three times three of times, those right. gu- guitar solos, yep. and they would pan. I do this now. This is. I'm sure you do too, Michael. You've um, done it for me. Where, yes, yes. I, I'm, <laughs> that's great. You've done it for me. And I'm sure when those three tracks come to you, you're like, oh, fake Randy Rose has oh, got thrown. man. He's got these. Honest John, I'm awesome. like going, I wasn't thinking of that. That's a great idea. That's cool. Now we've got three <laughs> shitty guitar parts. <laughs> but he would, he'd triple track them. They pan one left, one right, and one down the center. Yeah. And that's become this big thing for me. Again, in my little fantasy world where I put one amp on the right, one amp on the left, sure. and one dead center. Sure. And if you listen to Blizzard and, and headphones, it's beautiful. It's, uh, I mean, that, what is that, 1980? Mm-hmm. It's just a beautifully mm-hmm. recorded record. Um, Randy Rhodes was a genius, even though I will say this is unpopular, but um, sometimes Randy Rhodes, if you listen to his guitar sound just by itself, those isolated tracks, it's not a great tone. No. It's not a good. Yeah, I would hear I it and go good. Yeah, but yet it set, sets inside those recordings so beautifully. Yeah. Um. So that was my my first one, Blizzard Vaz. So are we are we starting at the top? And no, there's no we, no order. Okay, no order. fantastic. No, what do you got? Uh, this one that um that I've got is kind of a uh kind of a slow burner, okay. if you will. And I forget the year, but. It was right when I was transitioning into being an engineer full time. So when I heard Failure's Fantastic Planet in my headphones for the first time, what caught my attention wasn't anything except for the space of the drums. Okay. And what that means to me is they recorded in a large room and recorded the drums in that room, not just all of the close mics with the snare mic and the close Tom mics and the overheads and stuff as they had stereo stereo, uh, mics in the room, a distance like from here to the window, my window over there, Mm -hmm. a good 30, 40 feet. And you just create this, not when the levee breaks sound, but that sort of space on the drums. When I heard that, I was like, man, that's interesting because it it separates the bass and the guitar and the vocal from what would be drums are loud and noisy, right? Right. So to have a spatial difference for the rest of the band, I was yeah. I was intrigued. I was like, this is cool. There's I mean, a preset know- for that now, by the way. <laughs> there's a, there's a plug-in, dude. I'm sure you have it. Exactly. Yes. Excellent. I, I probably beta tested the damn thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you got next, Scotty? Uh, it's the Dukes of Stratosphere. <clears throat> I can't talk. The album's called Sonic Sunspot. It's XTC, basically. Okay. Oh, okay. It's okay. Is it tenth, some off? It's the 10th XTC record. Basically, but with a different the Dukes of Stratosphere is the huh. name of the record. It's a uh, it's like a psychedelic rock opera. Oh, nice. It's got nice. the cool songs, and then it's got this uh, this girl kind of narrating a, a little story in there, and it's very British and cool. <laughs> it's very, it's just, very, very say British. Say no more. <laughs> it just it sounds cool. Uh, it just sounds cool listening to it. And does it roll from beginning to end nonstop? It does. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. It's it's a really um, I don't know why they why they did it that way. Just to 
you know, Richie does that too, where he'll do a record as Wilson Hawk uh-huh. or, you know, I don't know why. Huh. just get bored with like Father John Misty. He'll do, you know, a record as Josh Tillman or <laughs> Father John, you know, huh. these are, I don't know what they get bored with their original I name. I wonder if or, it could be a contractual thing too. But, oh, I'm sure. Like maybe you'll label yeah. X number recordings, but, but yeah. that's off your contract. We all know XTC, the Prince story. I'm not a XTC yeah. um uh, you know, expert by any like means, but song. a lot of the fans of XDC call this like the tenth, okay, unofficially oh, okay. the tenth album. It's cool. it's endorsed by the fans. Yeah, yeah, nice, <laughs> cool. My next pick is um, when I was a kid, back you know back in the before times when you were learning songs, yeah. right? Now they have software literally right. that will pull every pull the guitar out. Yep, right. Yep. Um. And and back in my day, they didn't have jam tracks that you could jam right. along to. Right. What I had was early Beatle recordings where I could pan everything to one side and just have bass and drums. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of Beatle stuff. So any Beatle album is headphone candy. Mm-hmm. But it just through the nature of the genius of George Martin, I think. But what I would do as a kid is you could pan, and, and I might just have Ringo and Paul in one side. Sure. And and you could play along. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, man, I can. No, not, not great, of course, but you were able to have that. Yeah. Um, and then you know, there's other things. If you're talking, you know, headphone candy, the Beatles are good for that. There's a lot of little talking. There's all the little things from you know, the I got blisters on me fingers. There's all <laughs> these little things like that. Yeah. There's the, uh, I always think uh, of Taxman. The start of Taxman. The count one, two, right, three. Oh, and you know, we had in the Beatles. You had a lot of the stuff you you were, even for me when I was a kid, hearing for the first time. You were getting you know some of the first backwards guitars. You were getting the cool intro of uh, um, "I Feel Fine." You know the rattly acoustic that was feeding back in the room, and they yeah. just left it. Yeah. Um, the funny side story. I had a '89 S10 pickup. And something happened in the stereo that I didn't know, but it had, like, cut one side out and sort of made everything mono. Uh. So I would listen to, like, uh, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, by the, and I would have no bass or drum, <laughs> you know, or, you know, no hand claps or whatever it was. So but any Beatles, <laughs> you know, the Beatles were really at the fore, and I'm a Beatle fan, so I know I overstate it sometimes. They were at the forefront of what we came to know as sure. headphone sure. candy. Um, they were... You were talking about the room, the tuning up of the orchestra at the start of Sgt. Pepper's, yeah. you know, yeah. where you hear those. Mm-hmm. I've tried to get that sound, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's a plug-in for that, too. <laughs> um, but you yeah, actually so, have to have the people to do that. Exactly. <laughs> any any Beatle thing, of course, for me. What do you got next, Michael? Um, in some sort of way, uh, the record couldn't stand the weather. Steve Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble. Steve Ray Vaughan, Double Trouble, man. There's another a drum thing early on. When I was a drummer learning guitar, but early in my engineering, where um, I didn't understand the space between right things, like I, I didn't get it, but I caught it, and I, and so oh, that's a great record. When I heard that uh, as just a three piece, um, it it was very very special, and and like. Occasionally, I'll go. I need to make that sound now. Like if I'm doing something for somebody, and I'll do that sort of long reverb that that's bright, and in the song, it's not sounding like it's four seconds long, but by itself, you hear it. 
mm-hmm. right? That decay. You're just like, man, that's cool. Because you can just put visually put yourself anywhere, like looking out over a cliff, and you know that sound is just right. going and going, you know? Yeah. Oh, plus, I mean, the Steve Ray Vaughan stuff, you know, the, the guitar tones, of course, yeah. are legendary, yeah. right? But the one thing that everybody misses about Steve Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, everybody, um, and I built up this kind of uh, Steve Ray Vaughan thing. I was a huge Steve Ray fan, humongous. Yeah. Um, actually have a Polaroid at home of me bawling. Literally, my girlfriend at the time snapped a picture because she was amazed I was bawling at the death of this guitar player right. guy, right? And right. I was bawling, yeah. like a, you know, uncontrollably. But the thing everyone misses is the shuffle. Drummers miss the shuffle. Yep. That's where the double trouble, that's why that band's so good. Yeah. It's Chris's shuffle. Yeah, man. It's how he shuffles. Yep. And a lot of people think they can play a blues groove, right? Yeah. We're a blues band. And yeah. if you don't shuffle, you're not like the double trouble. And you know, honestly, the shuffle is a two-handed shuffle, not just your right hand right. or your left hand. Right. It's both hands getting that. Da, 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 yeah, and da. he owns that. Man, I just got the goosebumps yeah. thinking <laughs> about it, man. Good. I was just like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. If you can shuffle like that, yeah, well, you got game. You work forever. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> what do you got next, Scotty? Dream Theater. Here we go. A dramatic turn of events. What? Give me. But. Oh, what? Where's that fall in the catalog? 2011. Oh, okay. okay. So it's Jordan Rudis on keys and Mike Mangini on drums. Mangini's okay. on drums. That yes. was what I was going to ask. It, Petrucci wrote the record. Um, the thing for me, though, is with this record, not with all of them, but with this record, I like the instrumental one better. Oh. I can't. I'm not a James LeBry guy, really. Some stuff, it works. This record, in my opinion, works better. Without vocals? Without his vocals. Yeah. Wow, that's hurtful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, I hope it's he never he- hears this. That's hurtful <laughs> stuff, dude. You it's can't heavier. It's a heavier... Uh, Dream Theater has, at times, uh, they've tried to adapt to the scene. Sure. You sure. know what I mean? Yep. And some of it, like Black Clouds and Silver Linings, that record, they they tried to adapt. I, I like it. Some people didn't like when they tried to adapt to the scene. And they they just make it work somehow. They yeah. I mean, they go from, oh, who was the original uh, keyboard player? Was it uh, Derek Sherinian? Yes, it was. And then they get Jordan Rudis. Who and, now I think takes a huge role in that band. Yeah. He, right. might, be the, he might be their chart guy. He's like the... Uh, liquid tension experiment guy, right? He yes, yeah, he yeah. might be their chart guy. He does a side thing with um, uh, Morgenstein as well, I believe. Oh, really? Rod Morgenstein, yeah, yeah. from Dixie uh, Dregs and, and Winger, Winger, yeah, and Winger, and Winger, Winger. Yeah. great drummer. But yes, it just uh, I don't know. It's it's a cool sounding record. I've I've done it both. I, I listened to it a week or so ago, and I put every other track, one vocal, one instrumental, just to, oh, yeah. to yeah. compare them. And, and yeah. you like the instrumental? I like the instrumental version better. Cool. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Dream theater, man. You're a dream theater guy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Time change. Time it's change. heavy metal yeah. jazz. It, it, oh, it is. It is. It really it is. is. It is. Yeah. And I, so when I was in college, um, in junior college, I took music class. And I was, you talk about, a turd in the punch bowl. That was me. You know, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I am 1970 ruining prom. I, exactly. I'm 1972 <laughs> exile on main street guy in a room full of, um, dream theater people, you right, know, right. who are t- every time they're talking, it's how cool it is that this song has 
seven time changes sure. in it. And I'm going, hey, man, you know, yeah. you ever hear rocks off? You know, and no one knows what I'm talking about. Dream Theater was the biggest thing. That, I mean, the big. What was the album with? Was it Images and Words that had Pull yeah. Me Under on yeah. it? The single. Well, yeah, that was. The, that was. Dude, the I gotta yeah. admit. Okay, yeah. I, I own it. It's yeah. at home. That record Same. is great with LeBron. Yeah. I had to buy it because I had to be able to at least occasionally have something cool to say to these guys. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And even I, the layman, the guy who does not <laughs> get that, who doesn't understand how that stuff works, that was a great record. Pull Me Under is a great song. Yes. I tell my son this a lot because he's starting to he's starting to get into Rush because he's a drummer and yeah. he actually I think he, the Family Guy jokes are what got him hooked on Rush. <laughs> um, but I tell him that the beauty of Rush, even for a non-Rush fan like myself, not a non-fan but a singles guy, is when you can take that level of musicianship and put it in songs yeah. that the dude on his way to work can listen to in the car. And air drum and sing along and and know when those parts those big fills are coming yeah. and I, that's genius. Yeah, I thought the first Dream Theater record did that. Per, they found an audience and then progressively, I think they got further and further away from that commercial thing that maybe appealed to me. But they yeah. built that fan base yep. like the Rush fans. Yep. And, you know, my buddy, I got a buddy who plays with me um, in American Hair Band. He's a Dream Theater guy and rightly so. I mean, they're a great band, but. The people who love them, love them. Um, never, ever in your life are you going to meet a new girl and be like, hey, you know what we should do for our first date? Right. Let's go watch Dream Theater. Right. Oops, you know, sorry, that, you know that's definitely not going to work. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it together, dude. Sorry. We're on a professional <laughs> podcast and you're getting phone calls? No, that's a reminder. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Damn. Don't do any stupid podcasts. <laughs> Don't say no to these. Start saying no to these things. <laughs> exactly. Start to set boundaries. Reminder, set boundaries. Uh, yeah, sorry for the dream theater. My next, uh, uh, my next pick has nothing to do with, um, with any real... I mean, it, there's headphone candy, but it's uh, album by the Black Crows, the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Amen, brother. Yeah. The reason I love that mm. record, um, I love all the Black Crows. That's just me. But the Southern Harmony is their highest moment ever. Um, <laughs> literally. <Yeah. laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. But the thing about that that I like, and I like records like that, is I can tell who's doing what. Yeah. So if Mark Ford's playing, yep. and, and those records too, you know, Rich is on one side, Mark Ford's on the other. Mm -hmm. They're separated in the stereo field. I how can how could they on. even, like, that's otherworldly to guitar player team i you know what mark ford is you he no one name checks mark ford yeah. i do all the time because i love him so much he's a genius yes. i mean he's a fantastic musician um rich robinson is you know is richard thompson on electric guitar he's yeah. he's great um southern harmony is when it all kind of all came together mm -hmm. you throw ed harsh on b3 you put literally you put B3 on anything for John Merchant, and I'm already that you've got me there already for the most that. part. And B3 organ is great headphone candy. Yeah. Uh, two, the two greatest headphone inventions were B3 organ and Leslie Speaker. <laughs> you know, those are, those will take you swirly anywhere yep. you want to go. Southern Harmony is full of it. It's yeah. a great record. How NMD of you to make a Richard Thompson reference as That's well. That's how I do it. That's how I do it. <laughs> That's how I do it. It's so you guys know I'm hip and I know my music. It's not, you know what? It's not all poison over here. I oh, mean, I know oh it is kind of over here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're in your home, sir. What do you got next, Michael? Um, I have... Come on, look what the cat dragged in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, ha I have several 
lists here, but there was one that just popped into my head that I remember also having, um, this is before engineering. Um, the band is called rough cut. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's Paul, I Shortino. Think Paul Shortino. That's Duke um, fame to you guys, by the way. <laughs> uh, I've, the one with the limo and the girl on the front is that everyone wants Dude, you. That could be literally every album from that era. Right. <laughs> <laughs> be the one with the limo. Do you guys and the girl remember the name of that? I don't. I don't. Rough Cut wants you. I think. I okay. think so. I think it I could think be. It is. Uh, so they had the they had a ballad on that uh, the the side two of the cassette tape, right? Okay. And I remember another. So first off, you'll notice the, my first three that I've talked about are drum. Heavy yes, really yeah, yeah, that's your this this ballad had a symbol that seemed to last about six seconds. Oh yes, yeah, I mean like they, a big crash. Like yeah, like yeah. it on the downbeat of when the chorus hit for the first time in the, in the eighties. The ballads were just huge. Acoustic guitar, the vocal came in. I'm getting goosebumps again. Um, <laughs> Uh, the drummer and the bass player, maybe the keyboard player would kick in towards, you know, the pre-chorus and it start to build into that first chorus in my or head, whatever. Angel Eyes by uh, Steelheart is playing. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, Angel right, right, right. <laughs> yes. When the downbeat hits on that, I swear to you, the Never symbol had to be about eight feet wide. Yeah. Because <laughs> he crashes this thing and it just goes. Yeah, decays. And, yeah, and I was like, what in the world? Is that it wasn't a gong because we were all enthralled with that with Tommy Lee and Alex Van Halen, right? All of these Blast cats, Elias. yep, yeah. everyone's doing that, and it wasn't that, so huh. that caught my ear and how separate it was. And I didn't know these things then, but I was hearing how it related to the song, it like bloomed this, this chorus right. in a way that the other songs didn't have, huh. One so symbol one really unfolded that chorus. It was, I swear to you, man, it, if you envision a water droplet falling into the pond, that ripple was that symbol. It's yeah. like, boom, and it just... The drummers love that stuff. They're uh, always looking for that. that uh, drummers are, those weird dudes are always looking for that one symbol. This that, might be a little bit too weird of, d- a, of a show concept. Uh, just, uh, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> are you favorite symbols? <laughs> no. Ride symbols. Oh. Because there will be... Hundreds of opportunities to talk about, like, uh, um, uh, t- uh, drummer for Slayer, um, Dave, Dave Lombardo. Lombardo. Lombardo's ride symbol on South of Heaven. Like yeah. that. I mean, just some, you hear a symbol and you go, oh, that's Alex Van Halen. Right. Oh, yeah. right. oh that's right. Tommy Lee. How someone oh, rides the bell. Exactly. Even, or how they or, play, or how they play yep. the bell. It's, you know, instead of going, bun, yeah. you know. Tommy Lee's good at that. He's a good chop. You know, you've got the guys who, who, who strike a symbol. Yeah. You've got the guys who brush a symbol. Mm-hmm. You've got the guys who ride the bell straight on. And you got what I call the choppers, where I've seen these hairband guys a lot flipping the stick, you know, where yeah. they're hitting the bell with the handle, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, that first Motley album yeah. is very, is a good symbol. Yeah. yeah. God, how nerdy. He's worse than we are. That's <laughs> terrible, man. Ride symbols. <laughs> he a wants a ride symbol <laughs> show. I thought headphone jams was stretching it, and this guy wants a symbol episode. <laughs> Call Whoa. in with your favorite crash. Are you an 18 or 16? <laughs> Actually, I'm a 22. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Because I, like I like that bloom. Yeah. What do you got next, Scott? The War on Drugs. 
the album a deeper understanding. I don't. I've heard that band name a kajillion times and know nothing of them. It's uh, yeah. It's that record is a perfectionist dream. There is not a note right. out of place if you listen to that record from front to back. <laughs> it's um, to me, it's it's like a tunnel of love without the synth. Mm. Oh, wow, wow. That's what I would compare it to. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, even that whole thing is pretty NMD, really. Right. Sorry. It's like tunnel of love without the synth. <laughs> and the weird thing is, Michael and I, oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what that means. And I totally I do. I mean, if, if, if you're a fan, a lot of the stuff that you guys, that you like, like. Um, yeah, I was going to say, what are they like? Because uh, I got to be careful with you. I don't, I, I try to trust, and it, usually you steer me right, but you don't need to. <laughs> Pop in some weird jazz thing or something. <laughs> if you're into Death Cab for Cutie bands like that, can you make it? Can you? Okay, I'm gonna need you to take that a few years back. Oh, so man. connect with something I understand. You know, I'm not really sure there... who else to compare them to. Death Cab um... for Cutie. I don't know what that is, man. I feel like Jason Isbell. Okay, well you're closer. All right, it's Give not me. country like that, but it's great songwriting. Yeah, okay, like that. So it's it's not like hard rock, and it's not a. Uh, you know, crazy no. synth pop or anything. No. Okay. It's just, it's a cool, uh, just a fun record to cool. listen to. Through. I've heard of them a million times. I, I, they've toured with some of my favorite bands, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of them. The, the War on uh, Drugs. The singer is married. If you watched the show Jessica Jones, which is a Marvel show. Okay. I didn't, they're but... Kristen Ritter, I think her name is. She's an actress. Okay. They're, they're married, I believe. Huh. Yeah. Or at least together. <laughs> Let's see what, uh, let me see what I've got next on my, well, you know, this record, um, and this, this lady as well, um, and I'm going to pair up two records just in the interest of time. Um, one of them is a thousand kisses by Patty Griffin. I don't know if you guys know that record. My wife loves her. Oh, again, there is, you know, there is no crazy train vibra slap or, you know, (laughs) I, 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 um, it's just, you can hear every, everything, um, Again, and Michael, you can certainly speak to this. Some of it is, I'm sure, the quality of microphones, of of placement, of, you know, it, it's one of those records. It's a spit in the mouth record, I call it. And what that is, is I can hear your spit. Yeah. You know, I can mm-hmm. hear the I can hear what's happening when she's singing. I can hear what her body is doing in between yeah. the notes and words. And And the other record I kind of group with that too is probably in one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time it's sweet old world by lucinda williams oh yeah um nice the guitar tones are it's it's a a older record um some of the guitar tones are kind of uh um solid statey i'm I'm sure they're not but in my ear i'm hearing like silver face amps which were very bright and you know you heard a lot of those roland uh 120s that Mm -hmm. were really bright um, so the guitar tones are really clean, but it's just, you know, drums sound really good. Brushes. I need, I love an album where I can tell when you went to brushes. And then I love an album where I can hear you're on brushes on one section um, or on one song. And then you're on those hot rods on another one. Yeah, and yeah. I can hear the yeah. difference. Right. Whoever's recorded this record has done such a good job. I can hear the difference. Um, we're talking about ride cymbals. Yeah. Um, another thing, I know this sounds crazy and it is NMD all the way but when i can hear and i'm telling you i i would be i would be up to the challenge when i can hear a nylon tip versus a wood sure tip. absolutely you know i yep. can hear how they react how they come yep. off a ride symbol yeah um lucinda's sweet old world uh patty griffin's thousand kisses 
um, are, are those albums where I can hear, you can almost hear, you know, oh, gosh, I know what brand strings this guy's yes. using. You know, it's that, yeah. it's that way. So those yeah. two records uh, with, with, and on top of all that, beautiful voices over the top, very yeah. unique, beautiful voices. Yeah. What you got next? Uh, well, I will put the third in order from, from your two is Buckley's Grace. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. That's, it's goosebumps. Masterpiece. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so good game changing i mean and, and production specifically in the headphones is um some of the most pleasing sonic soundscapes that yeah. you can hear right and there's nothing harsh um it's just such a well done album yeah it's so so well done still referenced all the time yeah oh, you and know another one i mean i was listening to it I don't know, four or five days ago, um, while I'm working on the new studio, it's in rotation or whatever. On my phone, I can hear the room mics on the drums. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, dude, this is some special sauce. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. This sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I would say to you guys, as far as the drums go, listen to see, like, if you can tell that the drums are in a room. Right. Or if they're in a studio and, you know, there's blankets trying to do... And sometimes that works, right? Exactly. Yeah. But, but albums like what you were just describing, right. this is wide open drums. They're like, that's how they are. They're, they're big and they're captured that way. And it gives so much vibe to the tracks. Well, and that's always been my argument. Um, I say this all the time. And no offense to anybody... Um, I'm I'm taking offense well, already. It's, it, I would, if I were you, I would pre-take some offense. Let's just rack up. Give me like five or ten offensive things right from the top. Um, but again, and I'm in this. You know, just because you have a, a computer and you have Pro Tools and you're near, you have a room in your basement with all this stuff, right? Um, there's nothing to me. I, it bothers me mm-hmm. to this day when some dude goes, well, I have a studio. I have a home studio. Yeah. It's like, you have a, a studio. Yeah. I got a studio. I can rec- Where is it? You know, well, it's in this room in my house. The, the element of the records I grew up on that was special yeah. was the room. Right. And if you don't believe that you, you know, of course, Sound City is the one because yeah. of the Grohl's thing. But, you know, listen, the drums to, you know, Holy Diver by yep. Dio yep. and Fleetwood Mac's Rumors and, you know, Buckingham Knicks. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and Damn the Torpedoes. Right. The way those that room sounded and even Dave Grohl talks in that documentary about where they place the drums, you yeah. know, for yeah. like never mind. Yeah. Um, that's the element that a gentleman like you, Michael, you're building a studio with these things in mind. Hey, how this room's going to work? I have a li- you have the beautiful live room out mm-hmm. there. Um, to me, that's why you know that's a studio yeah. that you pay to go to the studio. The rest is you know, like me, you know, messing around in my basement. And yes, I have a plug-in that yeah. I can go in. That kind of you know, I've created some space. Sure, but the element of these records we're all talking about is that that space of, yeah. of how that happened. That's why we like those things. Mm-hmm. I think so much, even though production here, here's some more offense for you. Production <laughs> is often seen 
it, it got such negative vibe because it went so far the other way, you know, and no offense to, to Boston and Journey, and I love all those bands, but all of a sudden, you know, we had these big, lush things, and then the 80s came, yeah. and then we had White Snakes drums, you know, where, yeah. you know, the decay was forever, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, Keith Olsen's studio, you know, it's the, the Petty story where he saw Keith Olsen, and Keith goes, hey, man, I, I can control everything in my studio, and Good Night LA was Keith by one, he goes, I got one fader. And Petty's like, I want some stuff to press. I want to move some, you know. He's like, yeah, I want some yeah. things to fuck with, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what we're, that element that we're hearing in these records, I think. And I bet if we named, you know, went down our list, a lot of these were recorded in great live rooms. Well, where, the ones you mentioned specifically were almost all at Sound City. Yeah. And th- those are, it. Uh, it's such a, according to Grohl, that room shouldn't have worked as well That's as what it I did. That's what I heard, yeah. But do you know that he recreated that room at his 606 yes. space? Well, he's got the council, too. Where was that council. room originally, the Sound City room? The Sound City room, Dave Grohl did a replica of at his place. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where he grabbed that the console from. Wow. Yeah. Which is a legendary. Well, the first one. Yeah. It, Rupert Neve it, built first it specifically. Or, or something like yes. that. or. I, I forget it was what ordered it was, by Keith Olsen yes. for Sound City. Yes. God, okay. This Something like $60,000 at the time. At the time is. Jeez. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I probably, I would think. I mean, who knows what Grohl spent on it, but. I'm sure he spent more than he needed to. Yeah. <laughs> but. He probably. I, I, went I'm sure in there he didn't have to take bottles back or anything. No, to get it, probably so. not. What's your next one, Scotty? This band was made for headphones. Uh, it's a band called Massive Attack. Okay. I've heard that I've name. Heard their that album name. called Mezzanine. It's um, it, it's a dark and stormy night record, basically. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's well put, man. Yeah, it's a, it's trip. <laughs> it, they, I think they call it trip hop. Ah. Oh, okay. It's it's not something that I'm listening to often, right? But it's so cool on and the what, headphones. What what about it specifically is is cool? I I think it's the this is nerdy, the texture and the depth of it. Mm-hmm. They not that Massive Attack was ever writing really hooky songs, but they made um, they made like l- less hooky songs on this record. Sure, and it's just it's a whole experience basically. Yeah. It's an ex- this record is an experience on headphones. Right. It's not just listening. It's yeah. going for you're going for a ride. Cool. If, if you uh, yeah, that's if cool. you're really you know, it's one of those where dark room. Just chilling in a chair with a pair of headphones. That's the kind of oh, that's cool. the kind of um, atmosphere you'd you'd like for this record. Right. Huh. Cool. Wow, man. Massive cool. attack. Right. Massive attack. I've heard that name a million times. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start grouping some things together real quick again, and just in the interest of time, and because uh, I've rambled on about Mixuita too long. Um, <laughs> a, an album I talk about all the time that I think um, I, I don't know. I, and I could find out, actually. I could find out more background on this record. Um, and I talk about Charlie Sexton's Under the Wishing Tree, the Sexton Sextet. Um, again, there's uh, there's no crazy delays. There's no wacky, vibra-slappy things. There's no... It's just a well-recorded album. Yeah. And it's also got some... The instrumentation, you know, there's a lot of... We were talking about the B3 organ, how much I like that. But, you know, you can put Concertina on a record, and I love that. You know, I love those... Things that are augmenting uh, musically, and you hear them come in and out, or a great, a well-miked 
uh, violin yeah. excites me. Uh, Charlie Sexton's Wishing Under the Wishing Tree has that. Um, same thing with an album um, from those bastard souls called Of Debt and Departure. Um, that is, that's one of those things where um, I think the record starts with a noise that I don't know. You know, it's like, it's probably something through a filter. Um, I know that because I bought an envelope filter one time and mm-hmm. I had a I had a good solid six months of horrible songs with what kind of crap on them <laughs> which is par for my course um but there's a lot of that uh, uh debt and departure is a real like you were saying it's it's deliberate there's sounds and weird yeah. things and you know we forget because we live in this modern age, you know, back when you wanted flange, you pressed on the tape. You flanged yeah. the tape. Yeah. When you wanted echo, it was a or verb. It was a chamber, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I've tried that too. You know, yeah. I have a little cement room in my house yeah. that I would use for. Did reverb. you really? Yeah, that's it genius, never, dude. It never worked really good. Really, but well, what I what you could do is uh, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, where I would throw a combo in there, kill the reverb. The mic would be in the corner of oh, the yeah. cement room, and I'd let that be the reverb. Yeah, um, which is great. Yeah. and I it's in my house. I have all the time in the world. If I go to a studio where I'm paying a hundred dollars an hour, mm-hmm. just plug it in, dude. Yeah. Just plug it. Yeah, in. Yeah, well, you know? just just something for uh, for the next time that you want to try that. Put a fifty seven on the speaker, and then put another one facing behind it. Put it facing up. up. Done. Oh, I shouldn't have said on the mic. Now everybody's going to get my secret That's how you're going to get that room, but you're also going to have that articulation from the yeah. amp. See, and I would do, what I would do is track that as just a reverb. Yeah. So I'd have a dry guitar, again, left, yeah. and then I'd have that room right. Uh-huh. So that would create that weird space for yes. me. Yes. You know, yes, in my lo- in my studio, Scott. And <laughs> yeah. you've been you've been to my I've studio. Been in there. You'll remember my studio. It's right. You go down the stairs and then you turn at my washer and dryer. Yes, <laughs> and you're right in my studio. I, I think the dryer where has I, appeared on a show before. Where it hey, has it, it made a little <laughs> I keep a tube mic on it because I like, sometimes I need that rent cycle oh, tone for my headphone nice. candy. People love that. Yeah, yeah. What's your next pick, Michael? Uh, I'm gonna do the same and lump uh, lump a few together. I'm gonna say. Um, Based on what we were just talking about, what I call the Ted Templeman technique oh. is Van Halen one through fair, fair warning. Yeah, those. Amen. Um, I I do think somehow, though their fourth effort, they hit some odd notch up, like with fair warning as <sighs> as amazing as Van Halen, Van Halen two, and Women and Children first were as amazing as they were. Something happened for fair warning. And I don't know if it was a life cycle or if it was something, but they hit what we call the master stroke cycle. But in the Van Halen catalog, you know, a, a lot of people don't hit fair. Fair warning's a darker record. It is. But I, that's yeah. my favorite Van Halen record. Yeah. Yeah. My Van Halen favorites are weird, you know, like Fair Warning, Women and Children First, uh-huh. you know, Two One. Yeah. That's kind of how I rank them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So oh, I love. Um, I love in the headphones. I love how Eddie is heavy on one side and huge amounts of um, echo on the other side. Right. And it's just so you hear that and you go, man, they were doing that in what 1977 or 78. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just cool you know you think about that and 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 on my phone 
right here that I'm holding in my hand, I have the studio um, plot for that record, that first oh, record. Oh, really? Alex like in where the they're laid out? And Michael over here and Eddie here and Dave in this ISO booth. Really? I'll show it to you. I want to see it's that. It's pretty epic. I want to see that. So for the yep. first four Van Halen records and then um, different, but in that same sort of headphone candy world, um, Imperial Drags record. There's another band I hear a lot about, but I don't so know a ton about. damn good. Yep. And they Eric use different, oh, that would make sense. different yeah. spatial um, use of guitar, you know, in this one thing. And all of a sudden you hear this guitar that sounds like it's down the block. Yeah. yeah. And you like, you can sense that in the headphones. You know, you didn't kind of miss it out. Like what Scotty was saying, if you're listening to it in the car. You right. don't quite hear that, but in the headphones you can hear it and you're like, man. Yeah, the song Illuminate yes. through headphones. Yes. Oh. So good. Hmm. Check it out. I will, it's a moon. little weird, honestly. It's yeah. a little weird. So but it's so, so good. Nice fit. <laughs> it's Roger Manning. It's Eric Dover. Eric Scotus on drums. And yeah, really it's basically good, good record. It's basically a lot of jellyfish. Jellyfish, jellyfish yeah. 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 Yep. What do you I'm got gonna, next, Scott? I'm gonna um this is one that has some stuff in it that I want to know how they do it. And it's book of shadows by Zach wild. Okay. There's on, I think track nine, it's called the things you do. He's got a part where he says, um, uh, what is he? He's something about, uh, the devil and Satan. And then he, it goes in a loop, his vocal, Zach goes you. And it, if you have headphones on, it goes like through in a circle. Oh, yeah. Pans. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it, or it goes through all your speakers yeah. if yeah. you got... Um, That's a panning thing, right? It is. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it goes behind it you? It feels like it's going in a circle when okay. you're listening to so it. So there's two things involved in that, and John is right on the money on the first part, which is the panning. The second thing is if it feels like it's in front of you or behind you, it like does. it's going in a circle, that's phase. They're using phase shifting oh, yeah. to get it to be out of phase, which is how they use these silly sound bars in your homes now to make it feel like you're having immersive audio. Do you remember? Oh yeah. I think this was a nineties thing, but there was a few members. There were albums that would come out and they'd say with three sixty sound. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Spatial. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that track had that. Um, and it's, you know, Zach's basically acoustic record. He does mm -hmm. electric stuff on it too, but right. um, it's just a, Zach Wilde's a swirly dude. He's I mean, tone-wise, yeah. he's a big boss chorus yeah. guy. He's yeah. a Univibe guy. Yeah. He, yeah. That's what some of the, my favorite headphone candy is really just that, is Univibes and Leslie's modulation. and modulation yeah. effects, yeah. you know? I'm with you on that because uh, I, I say this all the time. If I can't get somebody to do it, I have to do it myself. But I can't not put B3 on. What did you do for me? Yeah, you sent yeah. me B three. Oh my! I had to it have was. It, yeah. it is such a fantastic sound. You can have it be bubbly and poppy and really percussive, or you can have it be really saturated yeah. and very texturish. Um, but the movement of the Leslie Cab, if you if you record that thing properly, you can get movement. Right, right. It's because there's movement. There I is mean, literally. There there's is tons of movement. That's well, number one. Um, I, I'm of an age now where I want all my amplifiers to be, you know, 
100 watts and weigh a pound. Yeah, yeah. I'm not right. that age. Yes. Um, so I'm not bringing a Leslie to the gig. Right. But I, as a kid, there was a band, a road band that came through town. You know, play classic rock band. Yeah. And the dude, sure enough, full-size Leslie. Lugging the Now, Leslie. when they played the Doors, it was different than every other band that yeah. played the Doors. You yeah. know, it was that yep. tone. Yep. Um, yeah, I love swirly stuff like that. Uh, my last couple... Um, again, uh, the, these two records are more about the sound of what happened and how it was captured. Um, number one is Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. Nice. And that's him. Nice. That's literally, that's literally four track, yeah. you know, cassette unit yeah. at his kitchen table. Yep. Um, but I like that. I like that I can hear him and there, you can actually hear something like in, um, ah, it might be, uh, Highway Patrolman or State Trooper, but I, it sounds like he set something down on the table before he started playing his guitar. I can hear that. That's cool. Um, and then the other one, and, and actually the last one on my list is uh, Anodyne by Uncle Tupelo. Uh-huh. Um, because I love that band. I've been a Tupelo fan uh, forever. Uh, Anodyne was a record they did in Texas. They had Lloyd Maines on pedal steel, um, who I love. But Lloyd Maines is Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks. It's her father. Oh. he's a famous pedal steel player. Nice. Uh, Anodyne nice. was special to me because they uh, it was all live. That record's all live, so you can hear. There's mandolin, there's dobro, there's you know all, pedal steel, and it's all done live. And so you can hear. First of all, it's perfect performance. You know, everyone has to play through the song, and um, and you can hear everything. You can hear fingers on strings. You can hear that spit. Steve Earle's new record, late well, not his newest. Um, so you want to be an outlaw? Yeah. On that record, he. And I need somebody out there. So NMD listeners, if someone could listen to Steve Earle's So You Want to Be an Outlaw, listen to that record, listen to the song. He's grunting a lot on it. I know that sounds crazy, hmm. but he's like, you know, so you want to be. He's rough and he's there's a lot of that stuff I can hear in it, which I think is cool, too. Yeah. There's two worlds for me. Um, I like I like hysteria. Right, where oh. literally nothing's out of place. Yep. You know, that's Mutt Lang and yep. nothing's out of place. Or I want a record where I can hear someone drop sticks. I can, there's nothing I love more than studio chatter. I can listen to a record of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or where uh, my other favorite thing is the misfire, you know, where the band kicks off one, two, but, oh, hold up, hold up, yep. and they kick off again, yep. you know. He's got a mouthful of cookies. Hey, man, <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> stick click and hopper teacher drum. At the beginning, he's got a, a stick hit where he's clank. You hear that? Oh, he, you he hear that? Him, yeah, right. Or you hear um, Bonham's foot pedal squeak. Right. You know, there's all there's all brilliant what's, things that they they go. You know what? That's just it. That's, that's human. That's, what's yeah. with the beginning of Hot Rod Lincoln, where the bass is all loud, then it gets turned down? Have you guys noticed that? That bugs the shit out of me. Listen to... Um, so This Is Love is like that, too, on the master. It, listen it to Hot Rod Lincoln. The bass is really hot, then all of a sudden it disappears. Really? Um, uh-huh. Listen to the start of There's Something on Too Fast for Love, where the solo comes in really loud and comes down. Mm. But back then, you know, that could be before automation, where you're riding the faders. Yeah. Um, and when someone went, oh, my God, it's too yeah, loud. Yeah, you know, yeah, And yeah. then they were just printing it and left it. Um that stuff I love. I love Studio Cheddar. I love. He's got a mouthful of cookies down here uh, in the Ryan Adams record. Um, yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff because it's human. Um, I know humans made pyromania and hysteria. I know mm-hmm. that different kind of humans, different though. kind. <laughs> and I love that too. Yeah. There's a you bunch know? of that in Miles Davis records too, where um, one of them, I think, relaxing at the beginning, he says. I'll play it and tell you what it is later. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. right. So what you got, Michael? You got anything to... Um, I got one uh, one last one. 
Um, and it is by far the first time that I heard any production before I knew what production was. And it is Bre- uh, Breakfast in America. The Super Tramp Super record? Tramp. Yeah. I heard that as a kid, and I had no idea what I was listening to, but I knew I was drawn to Were you in that. trouble? Is that why your parents made you listen to that? <laughs> My parents didn't. It was it was in the minivan What'd that had wrong, like man? eight speakers in oh, it. Oh, that was another thing. I mean, so, it had two in the yeah. front, two on the side, and it was all in stereo, you know? Right. But you had stereo listening stations all the way through the minivan, right? And I remember sitting in the middle... Um, because it was my turn to not ride in the passenger seat right. as the youngest of three. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember hearing um, a combination of, I think it was um, Fender Rhodes. Which is a great which had a little bit of overdrive to it. And then reverb on the vocal and some other things. I, right now, I can't remember specifically what it was, but I remember clearly that it was that song. Take a long way home, that oh, song. Oh, yeah. I yep. heard that. I'm like, what is that? Yep. My mom will tell me to this day to anybody who will listen, which isn't many people anymore. But <laughs> I was messing with the EQ and bass you know, placement on stereos from when I was very small. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Me too. No, mom, it's got to be like this. Yeah. No, mom. Honey, no, that doesn't sound good. Right. Just wait a second. Yeah. I'm dialing. I'm mixing this. I'm dialing this, yeah. this yeah. in here. and I'm mastering I would, it in, in the I, minivan. And the the parametric graph right if high low it almost had the exact same low mid duck i was just going to ask were you a now you're a professional but was there a time <laughs> in your argue. life were you a scooper i mean no everybody's eq i saw in their car was scooped it was and uh and justice for all uh-huh. is scooped yeah. right yeah um it's bass you'd bring up the bass Cut the mids a little bit, bring the high end up, yep. and I never could figure out like, God, man, the vocals don't cut right, or yeah. the guitars are lost. It was that mid range thing. It's actually from f- the scooped thing that I was talking about on the parametric is actually the low mids down like at five hundred. This is getting super nerdy, by the yeah. way. I love it. <laughs> down, right five, now, people 500 are. I'll just shut this to, off. <laughs> uh, down to like maybe two fifty or two twenty. Some, yeah. it's that boxy sound. Like you could really isolate on a bass drum at four hundred. Say you get that real flappy, very unattractive sound. But it, if you take that out, all of a sudden it's that sound that you're used to hearing. Right. Right. So when the metal zone players started to really use the metal zone <laughs> guitar pedals that's what it was it if was you already get me in trouble with boss usa <laughs> I, i'm out all right we're gonna thumb wrestle about it dude <laughs> you know who you are you guys yeah. i i was you as well <laughs> well so parting thoughts on the headphone jams what do you got well, i got two favorites my two favorites oh, lay them on us. exodus by bob marley okay and Kind of blue by Miles Davis, which yeah, those nice. I can see you have it's yeah the number one selling jazz record and probably the number one selling reggae record of all time. Sure, Exodus. Yeah. Exodus is great. I had that's that's the uh, Chico influence there yeah. on me is is that Marley record. It's not my favorite Marley record because uh, Catch a Fire is, but in headphones, Exodus is beautiful. That is a genre that is fantastic for headphones. Yeah, reggae music, reggae yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Because the thing, the thing that's really difficult to do is to have a wall of sound. God, we never talked about Phil Spector. Sorry, and have on. 
spatial uh, separation. Yeah. If yes. you've got that, you know, two less Pauls or Izzy and Slash and separate speakers, you're still dealing with big guitar sounds. And to get, um, the, like, the cleaner the sounds are, the easy, easier they are to separate them. Right. Right. So if right. you have a Les Paul and a Marshall, a Telly and a, a Bassman in separate amps, but they're really, you know, a lot of gain to them, they're creating like this sound. Right. To get things to pop like little reggae percussion and things like that. That's where it's great for headphones on, on a reggae production is you've got bubbly little B3. You've got some some percussion stuff, very minimal drumming. Right. And then you've got a vocalist happening and, you know, some guitar stuff in there, too. But all of that stuff can be placed. Because it's so defined. Exactly. Yeah. They're not like this guitar doesn't sound like this guitar. This is like some somebody's playing with a wah pedal down in the third and fifth position where the other person is playing in the 15th position. That's the number one thing I've learned. I owe Greg Miller this and, and Mitch Wood as well. Um, I'll early on recording studio stuff, those guys find a part. Yeah. And I thought what, you know, I thought I know the chords, dude, I'm playing exactly what you're playing. That was the problem. And as soon as that came into my world, even by myself, Always think like two guys. That's why, you know, the left guy, the left John Merchant, yeah. that it w- was, I would go, well, here's a Plexi, and yeah. I'd go in, Michael, here's a, you know, here's a Deluxe. Right. And to pretend you're, that's what people don't hear in Guns N' Roses, right? Mm-hmm. They go slash, 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 legend, slash, slash. Uh-uh. Yeah. Izzy. Uh-uh. Yeah. Izzy Stradlin yeah. is the man in that band. Yeah. yeah. And everyone thinks that you can just go ham- chunky, chunky, hammer, hammer, hammer through these, you know, through a JCM 800 or right. something with a Paul. And they missed the boat. Yeah. That's, yeah. Sorry, that was my rant on Guns N' Roses. I'm done. That's fine. I, uh, I'm with you. I can't help myself. Michael, thank you. Thank for, you. You guys, dude, thank so, you. so this much fun. So I much mean, fun. Anything I, you want to promote? Um, well, listen to this damn show. This yeah. is a great podcast, you guys. Thanks, I, buddy. I like it thank a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have uh, some things coming up in the future um, on the 27th of November. Uh, Hand of Giants is playing a show at Mulligan's in East Town. Awesome. Um, so we we played February 29th of 2020, like days before the planet shut down. Right. So that was the last time that we were on stage. And that was in Burbank in L.A. Right. right? Yeah. So had a really great band. A bunch of friends got together and, and put that one together. But this this version of the band is like the core the Michigan chapter. The, the chapter. Yeah. This is like the guys, Lisa Raga, Connors. I'm super, super excited to have John Merchant. Oh, stop. Seriously, it's going to be so much fun, and it's going to it's <laughs> going to feel. Literally, he hasn't heard me play a note of it yet. That's that such a crock, that, dude. So he's totally right now. We're gonna we're gonna add a tag on this show. This will be the only time we do it where he comes back and goes, "Well, we just played," and I I, I take back what I said. <laughs> well, and let me ask you this because this is a huge thing too. Studio, yeah. do you see? Uh, do you have an end date where you think you'll be functioning in the studio? Um, the way that we, yes, the way that we're promote, or <laughs> promoting, the way that we're pushing to get it done is I have to get out of the house where I'm working now. Um, I have a nice setup in the house, but it's because we just moved here in June. Right. So I haven't, 
um, I haven't had the studio built yet. It is in process. You you saw it out yes, there. We just got the. It's amazing, dude. Thank amazing. You. Um, the carpets down, the tiles down. Um, I haven't moved in there. I don't have you know what I need to get my job done yet. Right. So hopefully, within the next four weeks, I'm going to be out there. Wow! Um, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so, while we were actually walking into the house, I was talking to somebody, um, my sister. And she is going to play a part in helping us get it. Uh, her and her husband, of course, um, Tom Blackford, are going to play a part in helping us get it done sooner oh, than if it was just us. Um, side note, I never thought in a million years that I would be spending this kind of money, let alone even making this kind of money to spend. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like going, okay, so this is what how it all works out. And <laughs> yeah, like, right. Oh yeah. I'm making a good living. So, wow, I can do these things, move to Michigan, get back near my family and my, my friends build a, a, a state of the art recording studio completely here in, in big rapids, in Michigan, big rapids, man. which is, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I, and then, then we're done. Yeah. I'm done ranting, but it's the dying thing. Yeah. It's the dying thing. It's the storefront, you know, it's the guitar shop, it's the local bakery, it's the the recording studio is is a thing that we desperately need. We're losing them. They're yeah. an endangered species. It's because people like myself think, well, I bought, you know, I got this recording software yeah. and 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 well, I guess every idea I have is a song now, mm -hmm. right? Because I can start it and finish it. Yeah. And that's just not how it works. Yeah. That's not where we get the things we're talking about today. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. Hey, Michael. man, my thank pleasure, you. guys. Thank you. Thank you for being here uh, and opening your home and studio to us. Scott, you got any words to leave us with today? I dreamt I saw Elvis wearing mirrored glasses. He said, punk, don't you peddle your poison to those ignorant masses? I said, with all due respect, sir, I'm a pusher. Not a home wrecker. Besides, what am I doing talking to you anyway? Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Ciao.